Hi, I'm TechCrunch Managing Editor Daryl Etherington, and you're listening to the TechCrunch Podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about the week's top stories in tech from the people who wrote them. This week, Amanda Silberling comes on to talk about the rumor that porn may be coming back to Tumblr. Spoiler, it's not. And Devin Coldaway and I discuss if NASA's DART spacecraft could really save us from a planet-threatening asteroid. Before we get into all that, here's what else is going on in tech news this week. Police this week arrested a 17-year-old suspected of being involved in high-profile breaches at both Uber and Rockstar this month. The teen's identity hasn't been released since he's a minor, but it's believed that it's also tied to arrests from earlier this year in London of teens and young adults associated with the Lapsus Hacking Group. Read more from Carly Page on TC. In other international crime news, Interpol has issued a red notice for Terraform Labs founder Do Kwan. The notice asks that all law enforcement agencies worldwide search for and arrest Kwan if found. Terraform's TerraUSD stablecoin collapsed earlier this year, effectively wiping out the $40 billion investors had poured into it. Cryptically, Kwan's verified Twitter account has since said he's making zero effort to hide in wake of the red notice. More on TC again from Carly Page. Google held an event this week detailing updates to various products across Search and Maps. Maps gets new immersive view features for getting a better sense of what a city looks like from both the air and the ground. It also has a new interactive live search overlay feature that uses your camera to highlight points of interest. Plus, there's an eco-friendly routing option that's being made available to devs to integrate into their apps. More on this on TC from Aisha Malik. A new app released earlier this week that promises users an ad and distraction-free Instagram feed has already been removed from the App Store. The OG app offered a chronological Instagram home feed, minus both ads and suggested posts, and it offered users the ability to create custom feeds to follow. It was definitely skirting some of the rules of use of Instagram's Android API, so it's not surprising to see it shut down, but really it also just made Instagram good again. Apple pulled it for violating its rule on mirroring existing services, but it seems more likely that Facebook gave them a nudge. More on this from Ivan Meta on TechCrunch. First up, Amanda Silberling is here to tell us if Tumblr will in fact be freeing the female presenting nipple. Hi, Amanda. How's it going? Hello. It is going well. How are you? Very good. Better now that I'm talking to you, of course. Always great wow. to have you on the show. Yeah. What an honor. <laughs> Buttering you up. That's right. So we've got a story about Tumblr. And Tumblr, it looked like maybe was going back to a business that I think once proved very popular for the Tumble logs. Yeah. <laughs> so for some background... Tumblr used to allow people to post porn, and then they were not good at detecting child porn and banning that because nobody needs that on the internet. But then the app store was like, hey, this app has child porn and removed it in 2018. And then a couple months later, that resulted in Tumblr just banning porn altogether because they weren't able to effectively regulate the difference between people posting porn versus people exploiting children in a really horrible way. Yeah. So it's the constant issue of the internet of how do you make 
an internet where sex workers can do their jobs, but also children can not be abused. Right. So after Tumblr banned porn, their traffic went down 30%, and it's basically just stagnated and stayed there mm-hmm. for the past four years now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. It's a It has a storied history, Tumblr. Like, it's been around now for 15 years, I think. And then it's also, we owned, well, not we, we, the, our owner once owned tumblr i should say and during that time when it banned pornography it was owned by oath which mm-hmm. i don't like that's another whole sorted history of like when was yahoo oath and then when did it stop being that and become something else but yeah. suffice it to say <laughs> <laughs> as someone who works for yahoo i was looking at this yesterday and i was like when did yahoo become verizon become oath yeah. become whatever but i think yahoo initially bought tumblr for about a billion dollars and then it was eventually sold to automatic the company that operates wordpress.com for like a couple million i think yeah basically a song compared to the purchase price for sure and yeah i don't know that the fact that it was such a popular destination for pornography was i think extremely problematic to the original owners but then it's also like did you do zero due diligence like did you not know that this was a third of why it was popular and then also responsible for probably most of its growth too right because as you pointed out maybe stagnated well as we've learned from our friend elon musk apparently people agree to put billions of dollars into a company and don't do a lot of due diligence that's true yeah 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 they could put the money into us that would have been nice if they had just thrown it our way instead but uh, yeah TechCrunch doesn't have porn so you know yeah something to consider we just we just have writing about porn (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) yeah but that was i remember at the time it was kind of like i think someone even called it like the porn apocalypse or something like it, it was a decision that was obviously for good reason in in the way that they like tumblr came up in an era of the internet when i think people were a lot more naive about its uses it was kind of at the tail end of that but you know the original like the internet has so many sort of things in it that now you're like what they designed it what they designed it basically on goodwill a lot of the underlying things right and tumblr was still kind of like of that era or there was an inclination that there was a general optimism and in some ways it was beautiful that way right because it was like oh people were just like sharing things and being weird and it was super fun but on the other side people were using it for malicious things because obviously they're going to if you give them a way to exploit right yeah i mean i think any social platform is used in a lot of different ways where growing up i was like super deep into tumblr fandom like i was just out here posting like watching arctic monkeys live streams and like live updating the set list that they played on setlist.fm like i like doing that kind of stuff but then people always are going to use the internet for porn like that's just the first rule of the internet and tumblr didn't have very good content moderation i mean tumblr was founded by like a teenager exactly yeah yeah that's right so (laughs) david cart right is the guy yeah tumblr i yeah saw him walking down the street in Williamsburg a couple weeks ago, (laughs) which is a very normal thing for people that live in Williamsburg, apparently. He's a feature of Williamsburg now. That's all he does. No, I (laughs) don't know. He's just getting coffee, living his life. He's doing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yes, it was kind of like, I think most of those communities, a big sort of like destination point for the migration of a lot of the pornographic stuff was Reddit, right? And Reddit has kind of supplanted in some ways for that use. But it's something that obviously people still 
kind of get excited about the idea that it could come back. It comes up periodically. It came up when Automatic purchased it. Some people were like, now that it's not owned by ultra stodgy corporate entity Verizon, like that means the porn's coming back. It's going to be great, which didn't Mm -hmm. happen. So there was a kind of what's happening now happened then. And now this week, people got really excited about this too, or people just started sharing it quite a bit, right? Yeah. So on, I want to say like Monday night, I saw people people posting on Twitter, like, porn is back on Tumblr. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? (laughs) And what turns out what happened is that Tumblr announced a feature called community labels, which is essentially just like, let's say that you're posting something about like dealing with drug addiction or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you could tag that with a label for content about drug addiction. Or if you post something that is maybe like a little violent, but still within the content guidelines, you could label that. And then of course, like just because porn is banned on Tumblr doesn't mean that there is no sexual content whatsoever. There are kinds of sexual content that are not porn that are often allowed on sites like this. So that could be tagged as sexual content or labeled, not tagged. And then individual users can say like, I want to bar all violent content from my dashboard. Or you can say, I want the option to see it, but I want to maybe be able to like click to view and right. then reveal the image. First and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like a pretty non-controversial feature. Mm-hmm. It is likely because ongoing app store drama, which Matt Mullenweg, the CEO of Automatic, which owns Tumblr, posted that. And also there is now a legislation that is passing in California that they want to make it so that you need age verification on the internet to prevent children from seeing content they shouldn't see, which that has a lot of implications that are for another podcast episode. Mm. But there are reasons why Tumblr is trying to get its community to label posts with sensitive content. And then where we get the porn rumor is that a rogue Tumblr staff member reblogged the announcement about this feature on Tumblr and said, quote, Okay, didn't everyone want female presenting nipples back on Tumblr? Here you are. This is it. (laughs) Which female presenting nipples is a Tumblr in-joke, which goes back to when they initially banned porn and rewrote their community guidelines. And one of the rules is that you cannot post genitals or, quote, female presenting nipples. Right. So then I was talking about this to Alex yesterday and he was like, but wait, what if you Photoshop a quote unquote male presenting nipple onto a quote unquote female presenting nipple? And I was like, Alex, no, we've already done all this discourse like four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've discoursed this to death. (laughs) And basically the joke is like, is there really a difference? Like, how do you tell what is female presenting even mean in the context of like a body part? But Yeah, so then everybody freaked out because essentially a Tumblr staff member was like, the female presenting nipples are back. (laughs) And then somebody reblogged that and was like, so you're saying that we can post erotic fan art? And he was like, yeah. But Mm. turns out he was just kind of saying things that were not accurate about his company. Right. And Or lacked nuance, at least, right, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the person who posted this, it turns out, like, did not work on this feature, and then later posted, like, yeah, I shouldn't have said anything. I I don't know what I was doing. 
Right. I mean, it's very Tumblr, right? Like, it's very, like, that's kind of what was great about the community is that things could get carried away and, like, republished. And then the community, it lives with the community, right? It's not really the thing of the original author anymore, but... Yeah. yeah, it's like if you tweet something and then you delete it, then it's deleted. Yeah. But if you post something on Tumblr and it gets reblogged, then when you delete your post, the reblog remains on whoever reblogged it. They still have that. So it makes it a lot easier for misinformation to spread. And in this case, it was misinformation about Tumblr, the platform, literally, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, no, it's ironic, but it's also like extremely appropriate. It's like, yes. Yeah, I think Tumblr, (laughs) (laughs) the Tumblr community is so fascinating to write about because it just feels like they're such an unpredictable community to manage. Like I've written a lot about attempts to monetize Tumblr because Tumblr needs to make money like any other platform. And there was a ton of controversy when they rolled out a subscription product, kind of like Patreon, but on Tumblr, because people were like, no, we don't want to put money on Tumblr. This is where we just kind of like mess around. But then what has been working is Tumblr Blaze, which is a feature that they did release on 420. Yeah. And it's essentially just you can boost a post like the way you'd boost a post on Facebook by like paying money to get more people to see it. And now people on Tumblr use that all the time to boost like intentionally horrible fan fiction or just like very cursed memes and it's very funny to me that they don't want to monetize but they want to pay to get people to see bad content yeah oh yeah it's like you cannot do i don't think you can apply straight for nothing will work nothing is received in the spirit it was intended on tumblr tumblr has a wonderful way of like twisting whatever comes in its direction and the attempts to kind of like dress it up in a suit and make it a you know something like legitimate i guess in business terms but yeah yeah we spoke to uh matt mullenweg recently on the found podcast porn did not come up i thought it might have in passing just as like because he kind of has continually had to feel like when does porn come back matt like basically (laughs) since he took over and it's funny that the blaze thing because i know that he does partake of the devil's what is it what sort of euphemism for we (laughs) devil's cabbage yeah yeah that's right there you go (laughs) Yes, devil's lettuce. Thanks, Maggie, our producer confirmed. That's that's what it is. But like, yeah, he he likes that. So that was definitely probably a joke he enjoyed. But I've noticed too in his statement on the story, you pointed out like a part was emphasized about like perhaps this allows us to explore more in terms of like what kinds of art can be shared on the platform, right? How did he put it? Can you remind me? Yeah, he wrote on his own Tumblr and he bolded this part of the statement I'm very excited that a fuller range of artists will be able to appropriately tag and protect their art and work. Right. And that's very vague. And that kind of implies maybe Tumblr will loosen its guidelines. And then he did later say that he wants for the Tumblr guidelines to be more closely in line with the guidelines for WordPress.com, which is indeed a different thing than WordPress.org, which is always very confusing to me. Yeah. So, of course, the natural next step is, well, what's WordPress.com's content guidelines? And they also do not allow pornography, but they are generally okay with nudity. So this means perhaps there is justice for the quote-unquote female presenting nipple after all. Yes. I mean, at the very least, I think that the female presenting nipple should be made free here. But, like, in general, (laughs) it seems like that statement was very weird, but I guess... Yeah. (laughs) 
Maggie will keep it in. But I think that in general, like there's a lot more to discuss around, you know, what is art and, you know, sex work and what is appropriate for allowing, you know, legitimate sex workers who make their living that way and choose to make their living that way to work on these platforms, right? So, and I bet that Matt would be open to having those discussions and to pushing it as much as the business can while staying fair of things that are essential to their kind of continued survival and growth, like the app store. Well, maybe disrupt 2023, we interrogate Matt Mullenweg about the female presenting nipple. Yeah, it's been a while. So, <laughs> you know, it'd be nice to have him back. But speaking of disrupt, <laughs> we have this disrupt yes. coming up October 18th to 20th. And you are having a conversation on our stage there with OnlyFans CEO Amy Gann and also OnlyFans Chief Strategy and Operations Officer Keely Blair, I believe, right? Yeah, I think that'll be really exciting because I think something that I think a lot about in my reporting is how do you solve the problem of allowing sex workers to make money on the internet? Because my personal feeling is that sex work is always going to exist. So making it safe for people to do that is just yeah, like safety's great. Why not make it safer? But sometimes when sex work gets banned from platforms altogether, like OnlyFans almost did last year, then that just means that there's more precarity for their work. Yeah. Maybe they're more likely to do like IRL sex work, which might be more dangerous than online stuff just because of the nature of like meeting strangers in person. Right. So I'm excited to talk with them about kind of since they both were appointed after the whole we're gonna take sex workers off the platform just kidding no we're not right. situation so i think it's interesting to think about like even though OnlyFans now keeps pushing its safe for work content in an attempt to not just be known for porn, but also the porn is what's making OnlyFans such a crazy profitable business right now. So it's really interesting. Yeah, it is for sure. And it's an interesting parallel to draw between it and Tumblr because in a lot of ways, Tumblr was almost the proto OnlyFans when it came to especially like user generated yeah. sexual content, right? Like a lot of the rails weren't there for like how do you do payments and things like that, but... Otherwise, a lot of people did get their start there who are creators, like adult creators, right? Yeah, I mean, even though Tumblr, especially in the porn era, when there was literally no way to monetize on the platform, but now Tumblr still is kind of not great at monetization, but like, that's kind of how people build their following. Yeah. And then you can translate that following into getting people to buy your stuff wherever that might live. Right. Yeah, so very much looking forward to that, Amanda. Yeah, that's happening again, October 18th through 20th in San Francisco. You can still get tickets either online or in person, but I'm excited and, I'll, and I'm excited to see you there too, Amanda. It's going to be great. Woo! Next up, I talk with Devin Coldaway about the DART spacecraft that was built to save us from planet-busting asteroids. Hey, Devin, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. Great. Well, this week, exciting one in space news. NASA, not completed. Well, they still got to do more, but they took a key step in their DART mission, which is another one of those great backronyms, probably, where they were like, we want to use the word No, it's DART. actually... Oh, it's a real acronym? They, no, they, it's a good acronym. It's the Dual Asteroid Redirection Test. I so maybe see. it is a bit of an a backronym, but yeah, and I would say they did complete it because the spacecraft has been 
just completely annihilated. Right. So there's it's, nothing they can do anymore. Basically, <laughs> no, they can just watch. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's definitely it's the mission is complete for the Dart spacecraft for sure. Mm -hmm. And now they just need to see if it worked, basically, or worked meaning fit their intended parameters of what they wanted to happen, which was they want the asteroid to change course effectively. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, they totally, it's a huge success already in that they basically shot a, you know, space bullet at an asteroid, you know, and I think it was, I don't know what the distance is. It's all complicated because everything's moving around the solar system, but ultimately it's like 10, 10 million miles away or 14 million miles away or something and just nailed it and got perfect pictures right up until like two feet above the, the asteroid's surface. You can see them when the live images were coming in right. and they were like, is this the last one? Is this the last one? And they got one last incomplete image that was like, literally it was sending an image as it exploded on the surface of this giant asteroid yeah that was pretty neat if you see it it's like i think they i don't know what the system did it or whatever but like added in a color so it's like just part neon green squares and then part what looks like pictures of the, the surface of the asteroid right yeah it's like corrupted data or whatever yeah. but yeah so that's like a big first because they're just like look we regardless of how much it actually nudged this asteroid we have proven that we can smack an asteroid 10 million miles away with a spacecraft within you know it was in space for in transit i should say for 10 months so and that that's well within the sort of period when we would notice a giant planet killer asteroid coming our way right. so it's it's a big success in that sense already yeah for sure when did this launch because it's been on its trip for a little while now right uh yeah 10 months ago let's see it launched last november right november 23rd it was like a thanksgiving treat oh yes and it was using a spacex rocket is that right it was a falcon 9 i think i believe so yeah looking at the image here yeah i think it was a falcon 9 a flacken 9 <laughs> <laughs> that's what the insiders call it <laughs> i mean it's definitely cool all around and i think everybody's very happy with the results now there's something that you know i wrote kind of you wrote most of the actual substantial coverage and i wrote like oh i did it uh which is nothing but <laughs> the part that i learned when doing that i didn't realize that it was like the double asteroid component of it like it's one it's actually a moon an asteroid yeah moon. it's I, I mean, who knows how moon is actually defined? There's like five different kinds of moons. But yeah, there's a little asteroid and a big asteroid, and they're a dual sort of asteroid system. And I guess this is, I don't know what rare means in the cosmos, but we don't see it that often. Right. But it's a great opportunity because, you know, you really wouldn't be able to budge this big asteroid called Didymos. It's like half a mile wide, and you'd have to hit it with, you know, a mountain to make it go off course. But Dimorphos was this little one that's like 500 feet across is just in a stable orbit around it and yeah. probably has been for a billion years and we've observed it before we know exactly how long it takes to go around this thing and we're just like look we can measure the exact amount of force imparted by our spacecrafts and in what vector or whatever right. by observing its new orbit. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. It's very clever. And it's been a, a total success as far as they could tell. Like, the, the impact was good. They saw a bunch of detritus shoot off of it, off of this little yeah. rock. Yeah, there's some amazing, like, external... Because they sent up another satellite just to take photos, basically. A small satellite. Yeah, an Italian CubeSat called Lycia Cube. And that was trailing, like, you know, some cosmic distance behind. It's like, oh, it was right behind it, 16,000 miles. And it captured the impact and it, like i when i wrote about it, i was like what's going to happen when a tiny spacecraft hits a big asteroid probably like a little puff of dust 
but there's actually a ton of junk that shot out it like yeah. huge mile long trails of stuff ejecta i love that word that's yeah. a great word and so it's really amazing and they observed it with lycia cube and they actually also observed it with the web and the hubble this is the first time both of those space telescopes have imaged the same thing at the same right. time and they both got views of it and they both confirmed that there's a bunch of junk that shot into space ejecta yeah so for people who are not as familiar although i mean web was in the news cycle and headlines quite a bit this year but hubble is the existing space telescope that's been up there for years decades yeah yeah since since the 90s yeah and then james webb is the new hot shit telescope that just went up earlier this year yeah yeah just just a couple months ago everybody is super excited about it the vice president was at the like first image reveal it was all very exciting yeah now they also are using earth-based telescopes right they're gonna really pin down they have lots and lots of vectors to view this and make sure that their calculations are correct right yeah so from what i understand it it's sometime in the next four years that you know the the asteroid's going to come back around or it's going to pass by in a more opportune observation right. position and they're going to view it through you know just whatever instruments giant you know radar telescopes and what have you kind of things I, i'm not sure what instruments they'll use but they should be able to get very precise measurements of the changed orbital period so just from real time as we're recording this there's maybe this is a they'd already happened but there's some new photos released from james webb and hubble of the collision that i'm seeing in one of the, my twitter feeds here and it's very cool very cool yeah, yeah yeah they just added that animation it's really cool the first images if you go down a little bit there's the lycia cube ones you can really see how much like fluff shot off of the asteroid yeah, yeah it's yeah. like really disturbing the sort of vacuum and sanctity of space now space is dirty thanks to us i know yeah we're really making a mess up there but it's funny this is some behind the scenes juicy trivia for regular listeners but i did a when i did that i embedded a large gif of the first person like the perspective from the satellite itself using the sequence of images that nasa released right which they released as a video and it was a 10 plus megabyte gif pretty big gif not yeah. not huge by like i know you, you do big gifts i try I to love, get them under, I under love 10 gifts i'm just, i'm a fan we all have big internet now come on <laughs> but, all right but anyway you were right in this instance because we later got an email from TechCrunch from wordpress vip like the people who manage our uh, instance TechCrunch's installation with wordpress and they were like some huge gif is causing a massive slowdown across vip <laughs> <laughs> and it was that so daryl broke the internet boy wow i mean you must have gotten some good traffic then that's at least good to hear yeah it's having an impact right here at home <laughs> yeah <laughs> so once they do have they given any dates or information about their other plans for planetary defense or is this kind of a let's take our foot in the water thing or is it more like once we do this and we see that we can do it we kind of got that in our pocket and and let's not worry about it anymore or do you know anything more about that? I think that it is, they wanted to prove the theory and being able to execute, you know, they're engineers over there and they're like, look, we can make it work. We don't want this to be a theory. We want it to be a reality. We want to be able to show that we actually shot a space bullet at an incoming rock and nailed it. Right. And so now that they've done that, I think that they're probably going to keep it in their back pocket because it's very costly to do these missions. And, you know, once you demonstrate it, you don't need to demonstrate it again. So, yeah. But, you know, in the future, like, I think that they will, they probably learned a lot from doing this and they learned what works and they learned what didn't work now they you know if there is a planet killer coming our way and they do need to launch a 50 times size thing 
you know, they will have something to compare it to. Right. But I don't think there's any immediate plans to launch Dart 2 and, you know, wang another astronaut out of its orbit in the next couple of years. Yeah, as I much mean, as that would be awesome. It would be awesome. Part of me just wants them to kind of do this all the time. But I bet there's a pretty vocal contingent of the general public that is like, please, no, that costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. You can have the Canadian Space Agency do one. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Their budget is like two saltines and whatever they got around the office. So. They're like, hey, we're already halfway through the first saltine <laughs> yeah. for this year. We're saving the next one for Christmas. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thanks very much, Devin. It's been great talking to you again, as always. And we'll keep our eyes peeled for more stuff to come out of this. More ejecta. Yeah. Dodge that yeah. ejecta if you happen to be up in space. <laughs> Just watch out. You know, it can travel for a long time. Stay safe. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. And remember to check out all the stories we talked about in this episode on TechCrunch.com. Also, TechCrunch Disrupt is coming up on October 18th through the 20th, live in San Francisco. Use code TCPOD, all one word, to get 15% off passes. We're also offering free expo passes if you've been laid off recently. No strings attached. These tickets get you access to the expo floor, breakout sessions, and plenty of networking opportunities like partner roundtables and parties. For more info, check out the link in our bio. And be sure to check out all the other TC podcasts, Found, Equity, Chain Reaction, and the TechCrunch Live podcast. See you next week. The TechCrunch podcast is hosted by myself, managing editor Daryl Etherington. We're produced by Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.